You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to part two of the Wisdom Cricket Force podcast with Nat West. And grassroots of Joe Root supporting cricket communities from the ground up. In today's show we'll be looking at Finchley Cricket Club and how they've looked to build closer relationships with their local community. What clubs have learned from club cricket's most testing summer. How clubs can look to attract younger volunteers. And a look at how the falling number of groundsmen and groundswomen in the country could impact the recreational game in the long term. I'm Yazrana and I'm again joined by England World Cup winner Ebony Rainford-Brent. Ebony, obviously this summer didn't quite pan out how we all expected it to back in March. What has NatWest Cricket Force looked like this year? Yeah, very been very frustrating for a lot of people involved. But the good news, I suppose, and thank, thank God for a digital world that things have still happened. So, you know, it's been transformed into a six weeks digital program. Um, and then NatWest has done a lot of things like providing clubs with PPE kits, um, and also a financial club guide because you know what we're aware of is for for many for many organisations but for many parts of the recreational game that's where it's going to get hit the most and so I think that financial kit is just going to allow clubs to kind of evaluate and look at smart ways that they can weather the storm. Um, PPEs important especially now you know we've seen kids getting back to being able to get in the nets and have small games and things like that I think you know being able to provide that just provides reassurance and support so you know it's it's a tricky time but it's good to see you know the program and the clubs adapting to doing it as much as possible. Early today I spoke to Finchley CC chairman Julian Powell about his club's recent efforts to try and engage with their local community and how they're looking into the future by encouraging younger volunteers at the club. So, Julian, thanks for joining us. Um, first up, could you please explain what Finchley's history with Cricket Force has been and what you guys have done for it this year? Yeah, pleasure to be on, yes. Um, we have the pleasure of being NatWest Cricket Force's showcase club along with Toft this year. Uh, over the years, you know, we're a very proud club in North London, long history, but over the years we've dabbled with Cricket Force. We've done the weekends, we've done that, but this, this year we had a real go at it. 
but it was a real go in a special year, of course, because of COVID-19. So we were lined up to have a big NatWest Cricket Force weekend back in March with lots of volunteers, lots of um, uh, profile from NatWest. There was a big launch of uh, financial systems and things like that, but it was we had to cancel it 10 days before. Uh, but we've had considerable support from NatWest Cricket Force since, both at the level of practicalities, but also the level of spirit. So practicalities, by that I mean we, along with other clubs, received lots of help on the PPE side. We received lots of sanitisation and masks and things like that, which was hugely helpful because when we got going in early July, we needed that. Uh, but it was more the spirit, which I'll come on to in more depth, which was a, two things, really. One, to make use of time. That was one of the things that the NatWest Cricket Force really emphasised to us. What time do we have? How can we make best use of it? And we really thought about that until we got through COVID-19. I'd come on to that. But the other thing was the volunteering spirit, you know, really emphasising that, that, that this was an opportunity to boost our volunteering both within the club, but also with the local community and from the local community. I'm very happy to talk about how we did that. But that, that's the essence. And we've kept in touch with them throughout and have had profiles as a result. What what's the club's relationship been like with the local community over the years? I mean, it's been we've we we have a ground, I have a big ground in North London, and I guess to be frank, we've got a bit detached from the local community um, over the last five years or so. And the COVID nineteen crisis just gave an opportunity to open that up. So the, we we were talking, of course, with them. We were talking to the residents' association, and all that, doing all that good work. But the main decision we took was to keep the ground open all the time. So whilst local parks were shut, we were sort of a green haven for the local community. And we had 100, 150 people every day coming in. We had the odd problem on social distancing, but it was basically fine. So picnics and walks and dogs and all of that. And uh, that, as as Suzanne, the head of the resident association said, you know, really forged our relationship and has stands us in very good stead for the future. Saying that you're engaged with the local communities, obviously, it's, it's, it sounds good. It's a good thing to say. But what, what are the tangible benefits that you see from being more engaged with the local community? Well, there were two or three things this year and there'll be lots ahead. I mean, we I mean, the, there's a there's a principle here that as a cricket club, we want to be a community club that plays cricket that lives and breathes in its relationship with schools. We have six state schools, two private schools nearby. We're building that relationship. So the practical benefit of that is we're offering coaching and children come and all of that. Um, Through COVID-19, we got a considerable number of donations from the local community in response to all we've done in terms of having the ground open. And we have a bar as well as our cricket. So we are turning that. We completely refurbed the whole pavilion and the bar this year actually with the help of a couple of local volunteers who offered to do interior design free of charge. We did the whole thing free of charge. We did put in 50 person days of volunteering effort into refurbing the whole pavilion. And the point of that is to become a much more attractive and enticing place for the community. So that's the tangible benefit there is around income. The intangible benefit is around relationship and families. And on volunteering in particular, how, how reliant would you say Finchley is on um, the time of unpaid committee members to keep the club running? Well, I'd like to say a little bit about this, yes, because we've learned a lot about it this year. I mean, all cricket clubs rely on volunteers. We came into this year, you know, we're a proud cricket club, so of course we have good volunteers who do fabulous work. But I guess there are only about 10 or 12 of us who are doing all the work, really. 
captains, others, committee members. But also we had a wonderful groundsman called Jake who also ran the bar and because he did almost everything, then there was no real encouragement and people got pretty lazy on volunteering. So, you know, with NatWest Cricket Force and the crucible that was COVID-19, we've really shifted that. So in July, in, in a two week period, colleagues and I counted 50 volunteers doing different things, 50 different people doing different things, whether that was refurbing the pavilion, uh, coming along and helping with summer camps, coming help with junior cricket, um, helping with interior design, doing all the leadership work and all that. That was, I mean, that was unheard of. Um, and I've got some observations that it's helpful because knowing this was coming up about what we've learned about that, the types of people, how to make this a good place to volunteer in. Very happy to share that, but that, that's the immediate answer to your question. Has it been in the past something that you as a club have been concerned about? So obviously it's great that you've had more people volunteering, but has that been something in the past that you've been concerned about in a medium to long-term future, finding volunteers to run on the club? It's, it's, it's the fuel. And so let me use that as a base for both answering your question and thinking ahead and what we've learned. Um, it's the fuel. And I can't, I mean, I would count, you know, a hundred times when a few have said to us, well, it's the same people doing the, everything. Um, and I'm sure many chairs and committees of career clubs have said that. Um, what we've got is the opportunity to shift that, and we are shifting that. And, the, and there are, what we've noticed, and I think it's important, is we've got five different types of volunteers. So through COVID-19, we had a very small task team, three or four people like Sumit Jadav and Georgie Way, who did amazing work, just doing everything on grants, the bar, everything. And it was almost a full-time job. We have our stalwarts, every credit club have their stalwarts, who are fantastic, who have, you know, grown up in the club, giving back. Um, so I think of Mike, who's chair of the club, now runs the ground, he's on the roller early in the morning, or Beth Morgan, who was an international England credit player, um, who runs much of the women's section, does a lot of coaching. You know, they're the stalwarts. It's, the, it's in their heart and they keep going. But there are three new groups. One I call new leaders. So an example of that would be Jamin, our new treasurer, who's 23-24, an actuary, um, and he's come in, he's a member of the club, but he's come in and he's going to do that for a number of years, and he's doing it because he wants to give back to the club, but he's also learning about being a financial director and all of that involves. Youth, we've been a bit lazy about this in terms of youth volunteers. Other clubs, I think, have been much better. But this year we had 10, 12 young men and women between 16 and 20 who came and did all the junior cricket volunteering and the summer camps. We rewarded them with vouchers. We're going to help them with level one, all those sorts of things. And they loved it because it was a place to spend all their time, build friendship, learn how to coach and all that sort of stuff. We were doing all the right thing on ratios and qualification. And then the last group is what I call community volunteers who come through just because of stronger community relations like, Sigal, who was the interior designer, or like Suzanne's Residence Association helps us out on things, or like Elliot Tang, who runs a local um, school PE company, and he's used our ground for camps. And so that's another volunteering group. So those five groups, you know, what I call task team stalwarts, new leaders, youth, and local community volunteers, is, is what we've learned is that each of their needs are different. So if we want to attract them and hold them, and I've got comments about that, then they all have slightly different needs. The stalwart has a slightly different need to the youth volunteer. 
Yeah, so specifically on the youth volunteers, because I think that would be a that would be a problem uh, that a lot of clubs are all, all up and down the country will be will be facing. As you say, pretty much every club has the stalwarts, but it's the uh, youth volunteers. So how how do you think you can go about attracting them more so? Well, I think we've done. So what we've learned this year is, if they're all cricketers, they love their cricket. They want to learn coaching. They had time in the summer. Not many of them were going away. So they were coaching. And then it was friendship and it was part of a community. All those things which I think young people really want when they're joining something. So it's fun. There's comradeship. They're learning something. They're going to get qualifications out of this in time. Um, and just the reward of building a community and a sense of growth in it. Now that group's going to change isn't it? because some will go off to uni and some will come. But, but I think that's the mix is offering that set of things comradeship learning qualifications i mean mucking in you know i don't want to be an old steward here but in my early six i remember back to clubs and communities and community centers and we spent we sort of hung out in these places and we played cricket we helped out and that's what it's felt like and that's what we want to keep doing going back to the beginning obviously that West Cricket Force has been something that's helped you engage with more people this summer. So um, do you think it's something that you guys will continue to be as involved with in future summers as you were this summer? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in, in um, very clear ways. So that, that sense of volunteering spirit, community and make best use of time. Um, there are all sorts of things that are coming out from that West Cricket Force about finance about money around volunteering which is hugely helpful um and it's there's a profile thing about we've connected with other clubs and we will continue to do that and we've connected with toft and others we will continue to do that and i suppose that part of that is that we want to be of service to the cricket community we're all learning about getting through this year and on and actually sharing across clubs uh, is really important and that West cricket force helps us do that too so we'll continue to do that Next, you'll hear from Jason Booth, who oversees the delivery of the Ground and Natural Turf Improvement Programme, as well as the Ground Management Association's Learning Department. In a recent report, the GMA estimated that if there were improved pitches, a further half a million children could play cricket every season, and that if the recent deterioration in pitches continues, more than half the people who play recreational cricket will see a number of matches they play each year reduced. He also talks about how a decline in volunteering has affected them as well. First up, could you briefly explain what the GMA is? Yeah, GMA is a, excuse me, is a membership organisation that uh, supports, trains and educates people that work and prepare in grounds maintenance. It's a non-for-profit, not-for-profit organisation uh, that's over 3,000 members and uh, has over 11,000 uh, e-members as well. There are some pretty big claims in the report, including that more than half of the people who play recreational cricket will see the number of matches they play reduced. Why will that be the case? Well, we have to go back, uh, yes, to the uh, original industry research that the GMA, who was then the Institute of Groundsmanship, so IOG, uh, did in 2009, which was called the hidden profession, uh, because it's a, it's a profession that very few people know about in sport. And that identified the issue, key issues then. And we fast forward 10, 10 years to 2019, which is the latest research that they did, which is the vital profession, which is the title of this, because it's, a, it's such a vital profession that keeps sport going and makes sport possible. And that's the, these key uh, 
issues have been identified and have been exacerbated over those 10 years. And one of the key things that's led to that is the uh, large rise in participation. So there's more girls and, and women's teams than there were 10 years ago. Uh, so and there's other areas of uh, each sport wanting to expand. So the capacity has actually grown and grown, but the actual facilities, the amount of facilities haven't grown. So it's outgrowing the amount of facilities that's available and also the quality of those facilities that can, what was needed 10 years ago to take two matches per weekend, for example. Now, because of the rise in participation, it needs to be three and four. Is there a decline in the number of groundsmen and groundswomen? Oh, yeah. We, we saw, that's so why I go back to the original uh, industry research, 2009, which identified that the largest percentage were between the age of uh, 35 and 45. So again, fast forward 10 years, and we've seen that that large percentage has yet actually just gone forward another 10 years, between 45 and 55, So, and there's nobody coming in behind. So that tells you quite obviously that in another 10 years' time, that age group's going to be between 55 and 65, and so there's nobody coming in. Be- so very quickly, we're going to run out of people that, uh, that maintain and manage our sports services at all levels. If this trend continues, what do you think this will result in in 10, 15, 20 years down the line? And, and what do you think can be done to rectify this problem? Yeah, first and foremost, if this continues, it, it's quite obvious is that there won't be enough people to be able to maintain and manage our sports surfaces at all levels. What we're doing about this, and I think this is where the ECB have to be commended, because in 2007, they set up a system that uh, provided cricket pitch advisors across the country because they spotted the, uh, the, the, the issue that early and also the need to train and educate uh, people looking after, especially grassroots pictures, as well as professional pictures. So that's been running, like I said, from 2007 and has been quite successful. Times have changed from 2007 to, to where we are now in 2020. And just like anything, we, we're looking and working with the ECB to be able to update that service and that uh, support to make sure that going forward, we can meet the demand and meet the quality of uh, surface that's required. Also, there's a massive uh, need and want for training and education where volunteers are concerned. We've got different formats now from the GMA where it can be uh, virtual learning, online learning, face-to-face learning, uh, of course, with the social distancing in this day and age. But there's, there's so many avenues now for people to get involved in volunteering at their local uh, cricket club that, uh, that have never been there before. So uh, I, I urge anybody, mums and dads, anybody uh, uh, supporting or going down to the local cricket club to ask the cricket club how they can get involved and how they can become a volunteer and help maintain the playing surfaces and the, uh, and the pitches that we all take for granted. Well, thanks, Julian, Jason and Ebony for their time on this week's show. This has been the second part of the Wisden Cricket Force podcast with Nat West from grassroots to Joe Root supporting cricket communities from the ground up. We'll be back next week looking at how clubs got through this summer and what clubs can do to safeguard themselves financially through what could be a difficult winter. If you like the show, share it with a friend and leave us a kind review and podcast back. Cheers. Podcast Network.